Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hey, Sid. Hey, Justin. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Are you doing good? Are you enjoying that that Starbucks Frappuccino you're drinking? I am. It looks delicious. It's weird because they call it a Frappuccino, but it's really just in a bottle. It's very different from the Frappuccino that you would get as a Frappuccino at Starbucks. I don't know why they're using that branding. Well, I mean, because it's cold and sweet and chocolatey i think that's all people know about a frappuccino this isn't germane to the topic what are we talking about today (laughs) um we get a lot of emails suggesting topics and we get a lot of great suggestions and thank you for everybody who emails and suggests them that's sawbones at maximumfun.org by the way yes and as a side note just because we haven't covered a topic that you have suggested it doesn't mean we're not going to we Mm -hmm. have a long list of them yep it's just kind of what strikes our fancy from week to week so yep so if this week an email caught my attention because not just the topic but the email itself i thought was really intriguing what was that uh we got an email from joanne Marin, who said that she wanted to know about gout which gout on the surface i don't think sounds like a very exciting topic i literally have no i have heard about gout my entire life i could not tell you i when I hear gout, I imagine some sort of foot crust. It's like a foot <laughs> crusted over and petrified, like a foot disease. I don't think you're alone. I, that was the thing that kind of drew me to the topic is not gout itself is not, as we'll talk about, it's not very exciting. But I think that a lot of people feel like you do. They have no idea what it is. It has something to do with a foot. And as Joanne mentioned, she kind of had the impression that it was something, was it an older disease? Was it something that didn't exist anymore? Not hip anymore, not fashionable. Yeah. Was it part of other diseases? Uh, She referenced that she knew it existed in things like uh, Pickwick Papers mentioned gout. And she and her mother were watching an old Errol Flynn movie (laughs) and they talked about gout. And so she was kind of wondering, is this still a thing? Uh, Her mom said that she remembered it as being called the rich person's disease. Hmm. So is that something? And, you know, it's funny when I think back to what, like, when did I ever hear the word gout or what was my kind of perception of gout prior to, you know, being a doctor? Because hopefully it's different now. Right. Uh, It was actually from Archie Comics. Huh. I remember because Veronica's dad, who if you're not familiar with Archie Comics... Um, 
well, first of all, what are you doing with your life? Get it together. <laughs> Seriously. They've been around for a really long, like, just jump in. Just read one, please. But secondly, uh, Archie's dad, or Veronica's dad is really rich. Hiram Lodge is very rich. Right. And he would get gout periodically. So my perception of gout as well was that it was something that rich guys got. Fancy. A fancy oh, disease. Yeah. An old rich guy would get gout. It was his foot. It was always wrapped up, bandaged, and I had no idea what it was. Because the gout. So let's talk about gout. Then. Hit me. I'm ready. I'm so ready to be educated about gout. Because it's a real deal thing that still exists. I'm. I, am I going to be scared of it by the end? Am I going to be no. worrying about gout possibilities? No, I wouldn't worry about gout. Of all the things that we talk about on the show that you could worry about, gout would be low on my list. All right. Um, so it was first identified a long time ago in like 2640 BC. So, so hundreds and hundreds of years old. Yes, at least. Minimum. At least hundreds. Probably thousands there if you do some math. Maybe, yeah. It's hard to tell. Um, the Egyptians identified it, and it was initially thought to be something that just affected the foot, and that is because gout uh, classically affects the big toe. Hmm. Um, and what gout is, so that you know what we're talking about, it's, it's pretty simple. So you're familiar with the idea of arthritis in a joint. You get pain in a joint. Right. Sometimes it gets swollen. Well, in gout, it's it's not arthritis, but it, you can kind of think of a similar thing. You've got a joint. The joint gets swollen. In the case of gout, it gets red. It gets very painful, very tender. Touching it at all could cause you a great deal of pain. Um, and it's because you have a buildup of these certain kind of crystals in your blood from uric acid. So you get a buildup of these uric acid crystals. Uh, they deposit into the joint mm -hmm. and make the joint swell up really big and hurt. So that's pretty much what gout is. It doesn't have to happen in the big toe, but that's the most common joint that it happens in. And so a lot of the um, early write, writing about gout is about the foot and about the big toe. Okay. So that's all that gout is. Um, why does that happen? Well, it has to do with your diet and how much, you know, what the foods that you eat and, and how much uh, uric acid is produced from them and then how good your body is at getting rid of it. Okay. So that's pretty much it. So it's not something to freak out about. Um, when it does happen in the big toe, we call it podagra. Podagra. Which is, I think that means foot pain. <laughs> okay. It's not the best one we've ever done, but it's not bad. We, we've done worse, certainly. For that reason, uh, Hippocrates called it the unwalkable disease. Okay. Which you could probably piece together. Because you can't walk with it? Yeah, because your foot hurts. <laughs> I, Hippocrates is supposed to be a smart guy. I'm like, I, and an author and a, and a playwright. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. That, that was the best he could come was up that with? Hippocrates, he wrote some stuff, right? He did, wrote plays. Did he write plays? Sure. Yeah, probably. When I mean, he wrote an oath. There were only like five <laughs> Greek people. It was like Hippocrates and Socrates and Theocles. Plato. And Plato. Aristotle. Aristotle. That's it. Those are all the Greeks. That's people. it? Those are all the Greeks? There were only five Greeks running around. It was like the Power Rangers. They were the first Power Rangers. There were only five <laughs> of them. So one of them had to do everything. There's a historian right now who's just tearing his One of them had out. to have the babies like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Junior. Because they had to keep the society There were going. no females. There were no females. There was only... There was only Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and right. This is not a, uh, a history podcast. Let me just say, yeah, this, this is, is not stuff you missed in medical history. <laughs> medical trivia is... entertainment. <laughs> um, so uh, the Greeks also had a goddess assigned to gout. Oh man, why not? Yeah, right. yeah, you got to put it on everything. Podagre. 
So there you go. Wait, did they name her for this? Yeah, she was the goddess of gout. That's <laughs> a foot pain. It's <laughs> such a downer I'm, to be foot pain willed into existence. Like, <gasps> behold my power. <laughs> Humans, what what do I have dominion over? Shake before pedagre. <laughs> Wait a minute. That that means foot pain, doesn't it? Just foot pain. Okay. That's kind of my whole thing. I can grant you or release you from foot pain. Not expecting a lot of you to lo- line up with idols and offerings and, and things. No. Pretty much a minor god, eh? A goddess. <laughs> I mean, I, my understanding is that gout can really hurt. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, she was born. This is interesting because her, um, like, uh, her parents specifically relate to their perception of the disease at the time they thought it had something to do with a lifestyle of um um excess you know drinking too Mm -hmm. much alcohol eating too much um which was kind of true really yeah it has to do with this is something we'll, we'll get into but it has to do with certain foods that are rich in purines which is something that breaks down and you get more uric acid. But the important thing to know is that foods that are rich in purines are usually things like meats, um, some seafoods, beer has mm-hmm. a lot of purines. So when we talk about like the kind of foods at the time, who would have had you know access to them, it would have been rich people, people who live lives of excess or uh, in, the, in the Greek perspective, kind of like um, Bacchanalian type mm-hmm. people. So that from their uh, perspective, Podagre was the product of the god Dionysus seducing Aphrodite hmm. with his, you know, all of his wine and feasts and whatnot. But you, you hope you hope for the best for your kids. You know, you hope that they're going to really achieve great things. I can't. I, I imagine it would be a little bit of a downer when you have a child and she becomes the goddess of foot pain. I have much higher aspirations for our daughter. Yeah, she can do better than that. The, the word gout came along because of our concept of the humors we've referenced before, mm-hmm. the four humor system where you have to keep them in balance in your body in order to stay healthy. The word gout comes from the Latin word gutta, which means drop. And they thought it was, um, the belief was that one of the four humors would drop to your foot and accumulate there. Sure. And so then it would cause swelling and pain and whatnot. Well, it's just gravity. This just makes sense. Right. And so that was, that was, that's where we get the word gout. Um, And as I kind of have already alluded to, it was also known as the disease of kings because, again, it was associated with rich foods, with alcohol, things that kings would have had access to. Not just kings, but rich people, powerful people. Um, This is also why for a long time it was thought to only really occur in men. Because men had access to all this stuff over women. Hmm. There were rich women, of course, but I guess they did not imbibe and partake to that extent. Um, And uh, when a woman got it, it was kind of a, ooh, whoa, what is she up to? Slow down, Beverly. Hey. I don't know. That would really good time, Sally. Yeah, really. Um, It was also kind of considered like a divine retribution at the time. Like you, so, like, the gods were trying to keep you from walking to more beer and more <laughs> steak, and they were trying to keep you from walking to it, because they knew that you, nobody was going to bring it to you, so they, they would try to keep you from walking to it by giving you foot pain. Well, I, I mean, I guess you could look at it that way. I think it was more, um, <laughs> as we're moving especially into, like, 
Judeo-Christian times, more of like, a, well, if you're going to live that life of, you know, riches and excess, you got to pay the price. This yep. is what you get in return. Yep. You know, so you eat all those meats, eat all those beef meats. <laughs> beef meats? Beef Sorry? meats. Eat all those beef meats. Is that cul- drink, culinary technical term? Drink or? your grog. Your grog and your beef meats. Uh, they did think that for some reason there was also this idea that you may not want to treat it because, um, not that we knew how to treat it, although I'm going to tell you all the ways we tried, we didn't really know how, uh, but you may not want to because they thought it prevented you from getting worse diseases. How? What? Why? There was some perception that if you had gout, you probably weren't going to get you know, whatever fever was killing people. And I don't know if this is, I I really didn't find any basis for this. My theory, this is just me guessing, Mm -hmm. would be that maybe if we're still talking about this uh, royalty class, like this higher class of people, that they would have had more access to um, kind of a more sanitary lifestyle. Okay. So maybe they wouldn't naturally have gotten some of the diseases that were related to crowded living conditions and poverty and poor sanitation that kind of stuff rich people got gout rich people didn't get as many of these hygiene related diseases therefore gout prevents other diseases right Hmm. which obviously was flawed logic this is purely a guess on my end because i I don't know why else you would think gout prevents but you know what old timey people did enough guessing i think we're uh, we're owed a few right i think so plenty of making stuff up exactly i mean they guessed about this so yeah why not yeah uh, now, if you did want to treat it, I do, and most people do, even today. Uh, some recommended treatments. One was just avoid that lifestyle. I mean, people said that you know, if you if you didn't drink so much, if you didn't eat all these you know rich people foods, then you probably wouldn't get gout, which actually was probably the best advice of all these things we're going to mention. Huh. Um, if you were if you didn't want to do that, the main things they would give you, especially. Uh, the Greeks were things that would make you either throw up or have diarrhea. Wow. If you could manage to get dysentery, they thought that that was particularly effective. Perfect. Somebody get this man some dysentery. And that would cure your gout. That's not really true. Actually, dehydration, yeah, dehydration probably made things worse. So I don't know where they got this. It sounded good. I mean, again, and as we move forward, it makes a lot of sense when you move into the time of the humors mm-hmm. because everything was about making you puke or have diarrhea or pee or something. <laughs> Get the evil out. Get rid of some sort of fluid. Um, of course, Galen would later come in and say, hey, bloodletting. Hey, maybe why, try why some bloodletting. Bloodletting. He also said taking a spring sea voyage could cure your gout. No, I mean, it's good for the soul, maybe. Get it, out there, salt air. Sounds delightful. Open waters. Yeah. It's good for anybody. I wouldn't mind being prescribed a spring sea voyage. Yeah. No, this is a prescription sea voyage. Especially if the alternative is bloodletting or dysentery. Right. Uh, you could also try mandrake root. Uh, that was a that was a prescription for gout. Uh, soak it in vinegar, and this is good for gout, insomnia, and if all else fails, it'll work as a love potion. Oh, well, why not? You got it lying around anyway. And there were lots of other plants that you could try, you know, uh, ivy, barley, cabbage, hemp, moss, plantains. Lots of stuff. Of course, Pliny, our favorite oh, man. our favorite buddy, Pliny, Pliny the, the Elder. Elder, he had several suggestions. Okay. Uh, first of all, you could try bear grease with wax and some bull suet, which suet is uh, the hard fat that surrounds the kidneys. Oh, okay. Uh, so you could try that. 
Or you could try a mixture of he goat suet <laughs> with she goat dung. Don't get those two confused. It's explosive. <laughs> exactly. If you get some she goat suet with he goat dung, Forget it. I don't know. That's even basically C4. And you mix it with saffron. I don't know. Is that for? For color. For yellow. For color. Yellow coloring. Or if you don't like saffron, if that's not your thing, you could try some mustard if you like that better. Um, there was also, uh, he also suggested bull's blood. He also suggested calf's dung. Or if you just want to go crazy, you could boil a live fox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That is the most unpleasant one, I think. I think that's terrible. And I, the, the what and gets do even, what with it? You, you eat it? Yes. Yeah. You just oh, eat it afterwards. That is wholly unpleasant. Yeah, boil, but it's got to be live. Oh, it's wonderful, terrible! Wonderful, good job, folks. Everybody, pat on the back, plenty. <laughs> he said, "Best, best jams yet, plenty." If you like foxes and you think they're adorable and you don't want to boil one, I would probably fall into that category. I mean, I'm never, I'm not like partial to foxes. I don't like have a secret love for foxes, but I don't want to boil a live fox. Don't blame you. Instead, you could boil a live wolf. Gonna need a bigger pot. Um, my question is, if you're already struck with gout, how are you going to hunt down a wolf? That's true. That's and then capture point. it alive. Like, it's not like you can... You you catch gout, first thing you're going to need are some real good friends who are really fast. <laughs> and you can capture a live wolf, boil it in oil for you alive, and then you can eat it. Yeah. That's dedication. Yeah. I don't recommend this. Um... Of course, if you get attacked by the wolf, I guess you don't care about the gout so much. Maybe it takes your mind off it. Maybe this whole process is so thrilling. By the end of it, you forget you had gout. The wolf takes your foot off and then forget about it. Yeah. Uh, People like to try poultices for gout, which made sense because, you know, you could see it. The joint would get all red and hot and swollen. And Mm -hmm. so you could see something. So when you have like a place to focus your energies, a poultice, you know, some sort of. Where you know where the sickness is. Exactly. out. Some sort of mixture or paste that you can actually apply. So um, this in ancient times, these were mainly mixtures of things like grains and grease and honey, uh, bone marrow. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some early uh, American cures with jimson leaves and wheat bran. And then there was a a German suggestion for poultice, which was just warm cow dung. Yeah, sure. I don't know how that counts as a poultice. That's just like. It's just hot cow dung. It's no. Maybe it's all in the packaging and marketing. (laughs) Do you think that was somebody who just happened to accidentally walk barefoot through hey, that's a field better. while that, that's, they had gout? My smelly foot's clearing up. That's nice. So, Still smells hey, pretty bad, but that hey. gout's dissipating. Good job. There was one actual real um, treatment that I stumbled upon. Um, in the 6th century AD, Byzantine physician Alexander of Trolls tried something uh, called colchicine. Now, colchicine is a plant-based compound. It comes from the autumn crocus. Mm -hmm. And it had been used before him for lots of stuff. It was known to make you throw up. It was known to give you diarrhea. So, obviously, people loved it. Sure. You know, because we love stuff that made us tummy sick. We thought that that was doing something. something really working. Right, because it was doing something. If you're projecting out of one of your ends, something's going on in there. (laughs) We have we have succeeded. Uh, so he was the first one to actually say, I think that it it is good for gout specifically, like not just in that, like, I don't know, try some colchicine. He actually said, you know, I think that this 
particular plant and gout are a good match. He was absolutely right about that. Colchicine is a treatment for gout that we use today. Wow. So this was true, but here's the problem with colchicine. It has potential toxicity if you don't know the right dosing, which at the time we were just like grinding up plants and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't even know how people were taking them and powders and liquids and, you know, compounds, whatever. Um, So who knows how much colchicine people were ingesting. And it did have those GI side effects. So you would get sick when Mm -hmm. you took it. Um, So it probably, you know, if you if you gave it to people in the wrong dose, you were just as likely to kill them as you were to fix their gout. Right. As a result, Alexander was like, you know, uh, well, with malpractice rates, what they are nowadays, I don't know if I want to tell people about colchicine. So what he advised was first, before you try colchicine, try exorcism (laughs) because it may be a gout demon. And then colchicine should only be a last resort. Right. So if somebody got mad at me, it's like, hey, listen, did you try the exorcism? I clearly said that. I clear. I, I said you were supposed to try that first. This is classic, what we would call CYA medicine. Which is? Cover your, we have to say butt for this podcast. Okay, cover your butt. CYB medicine. CYB medicine. <laughs> cover your butt. So. Sid, you said that a lot of uh, like rich and, and uh, royal people throughout the years have uh, gotten this disease. Has it had like an impact on on the, the the world at large? Has it shaped our times? That's a good question, Justin. Thanks. And that's actually, I think, the most interesting part about gout, which is why instead of telling you about it right away, I'm going to stop and make you visit our billing department. All right, let's go. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist, but you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real 
high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. All right. Gout. All right, you've paid your dues, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you hear about the most interesting part about gout. Yay! So as I mentioned, it was called the disease of kings because so many rich people and um, people in positions of power got it. Uh, as a result, many leaders of the Roman Empire were struck by gout. So uh, Claudius, Caligula, Nero, Tiberius, all of these people had gout at one point or the other. Huh. Now um, this may have led to now, we don't know for sure what kind of effects that had on them running the empire. What, and actually this should probably be an episode someday, their uh, chronic lead poisoning probably caused a lot more problems. Because in the crown, right? Lead well, in the crown. No, it had to do with the vessels they were drinking wine out of. Oh, ah, okay. That's but fine. anyway. Um, but we know for a fact. Pretty good, too. It's not as dramatic as mine, but that's fine. Yours is probably real. No. Well, as I was reading about gout, I'd learned that all of the Roman emperors were probably all crazy with lead poisoning. Perfect. So that's that's kind of cool. Thanks, history. Uh, but we know for a fact that Charles V, who later ruled um, huge chunks of Europe, Africa, Asia, South America um, during the Middle Ages, he actually postponed a key battle over some French territory because of his gout. Hmm. And it was a situation where he postponed it and then winter set in and it was one of those situations where it wasn't going to be a good condition to fight. You didn't bring your pants, your long pants, your long fighting pants. <laughs> you just got your short pants. You only brought your shorts, your battle shorts, and you don't have your battle pants. <laughs> and your, your battle tank top. You only have your battle swimmies. <laughs> your battle flip flops. You're not ready for it. Uh, so by the time he recovered, it was too late. They didn't fight the battle. He didn't get this territory. And he actually ended up abdicating his throne because he was so embarrassed and humiliated <laughs> over the whole affair. That's a tough one. That's that's tough to move away from. And not just because your foot hurts so bad. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, at the same time, like he wasn't going to fight in the, you know, that's war. That's true. But like, you got to have your head on straight. Well, I mean, it was just his foot. Oh, he was hurting. Oh, well, anyway. It'd be very distracting. I think uh, a more current, I guess more current than Charles V anyway, uh, William Pitt was a member of the British Parliament. And he was actually, um, during the time of uh, the American Revolution, uh-huh. right, uh, immediately prior to it, he was one of the uh, representatives who was trying to stop the British Parliament from doing all the things that were you know, making the colonists so angry. And causing them to want to revolt. 
So uh, he was absent from a session of parliament during passage of the Stamp Act, which mm-hmm. imposed, you know, more taxes on the colonists and made them very angry and made them, right. you know, want to. That was part of why they wanted to revolt. He came back after his uh, battle with gout was over, uh, found out about the Stamp Act and actually got it repealed. Okay, good. Which was good, except then he got another flare-up of gout, missed another session of Parliament, and during that session is when they passed the really high um, duty on tea. Oh, gosh. Which, of course, led to the Boston Tea Party. Right. Which I think we all know what happened after that. Right. So The war and freedom. So who knows? Although I, I, I think most historians, I'm not one, but would probably agree that there were more factors than just William Pitt's gout. But that was in there. It was in the mix. As, a, as an interesting side note, both Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson saw, suffered from gout. Mm-hmm. It was thought that was part of why they were such good friends. Got lots of gout conversations. <laughs> yeah, their gouty feet they could talk gout about buddies. all the time. This is why uh, Ben Franklin was carried in and out of the Continental Congress on a sedan by, like, convicts. That's awesome. I think he just wanted to make a cool, like, WWE-style entrance. You think that was? I bet like Thunderstruck was playing every time he came in. (laughs) He strike like he strikes me as the kind of guy who might want to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's very showy. Yeah, so but that was why is because of his gout and and again I mean I don't think that that directly affected the course of human history but or did it? Oh, you never know. Uh, Now John Hancock, who is most famous for his signature. His big writing. His his giant signature. Um, he actually used gout uh, to play hooky. Oh, really? Yeah. So after, you know, we, we all know he was the first to sign the um, Declaration of Independence. Right. And, and he signed it very large. But when it came to ratifying the Constitution later, he was actually a little hesitant about it. And they needed uh, Massachusetts to, to ratify the Constitution. And he was putting off delivering those delegates, uh, kind of being wishy-washy about it, and then got a very convenient flare of gout right at that time. Oh, interesting. Um, And so the Federalists started wooing him with um, possible promises of maybe you'll get a vice president spot in this new uh, government we're working on here. And then let me guess, the gout, no more gout. And then suddenly his gout vanished. Miraculous. Yeah. So... So there you go. Very convenient use of gout. Because all the other rich guys had gout. Ben Franklin had it, so why not? Maybe he just wanted gout. Maybe he felt left out. Now, he wanted it in the gout club. Everybody wanted it. Well, and that, that actually was a perception that gout was a rich man's disease. And if you just had regular old what they called rheumatism or arthritis, mm-hmm. that that was a poor man's disease. And so it really was like um, all throughout history, it was a class thing. Mm-hmm. It was, well... <laughs> I don't have rheumatism. Excuse me. Don't be silly. Excuse me. It's gout. It's gout. It's very fancy. I don't have the flu. I have body gout. (laughs) I have nasal gout. You would never want to admit that if if you figured out it wasn't gout and it was just like the plain old arthritis that everybody else gets, you don't want people to know that. That's very, that's very embarrassing. It's gauche. It's very gauche. Um, as I mentioned, gout is absolutely a real disease that people still get today. Um, I don't. I don't think there's still that same kind of um, connection as a rich rich person's disease now. Much, I don't think people have that perception. And it, it it does. It affects 
people, like I said, who, you know, purine rich diets have trouble breaking it down, have trouble dealing with uric acid, kidney problems, so on and so forth. There are lots of different reasons, but you get gout, you get a, a big, hot, red, swollen joint, probably your big toe. Mm-hmm. So if that ever happens, go talk to a doctor because it might be gout. Perfect. It affects men and women, of course, because we all can drink beer now. Um, and we figured this out because uh, Lewin Hook, who famously worked with the microscope. Oh, yeah. You know, did all that. You remember that. Microscope. You learned that in Microscope's, science. Microscope guy. I retained all this information. You remember Microscope guy? I'm nodding with comprehension. <laughs> he saw the crystals that gout forms, the little uric acid crystals under a microscope, connected it to gout and... Uh, there were a couple of physicians later who proved that uric acid caused it and then connected it to the diet. And now we have lots of medications and lots of ways to treat it, including colchicine, as I mentioned, is still used today. So, Fantastic. Well, Sidney, thank you for telling me a little bit about gout. I don't feel quite as stupid uh, anymore. Um, thank you to people tweeting about the show, like Tristan, Adam Reinardi, uh, Triumphant Jen, uh, Sierra McGuire, Maybe Kieran. I'm not sure. Uh, Aminder Dwali, uh, Nick Flug, Vita, Charlotte, Hillary, Malsey, uh, Shava, Hannah. So many others. You're all the uh, you're all the best. Thank you for helping us to to spread the word. Thank you to the Maximum Fun Network for having us as part of their family. Make sure to go to maximumfun.org and listen to all the other great shows on our network, like Stop Podcasting Yourself, Song Exploder. Uh, the Goose Down, Lady to Lady Ono, Ross and Carrie. My brother, my brother and me. Oh, thank you, my dear. So many others. Head over there right now. Go to our forums. Ch- chat about the show. There's a thread there about every episode. If you like this one, go uh, mention something. And please uh, help spread the word. Give people a link to SawbonesShow.com. Uh, tweet at us at Sawbones. Email us, Sawbones, MaximumFun.org. And uh, make sure to join us again next Tuesday for another episode of Sawbones. Until then, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. as always, don't drill a hole in your head. All right. Yeah. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.